our good friends in the art department, the English department, the support of Dean Orr, who's here in the back, and everyone else who has um, brought some really energetic spirit to this event. What I want to tell you, too, that we have amazing exhibitions here in the gallery, but at least for me, this one is even more amazing. Not only because I've spent much of my adult life thinking and researching about William S. Burroughs, but because this work has been all around the world this year as part of the William S. Burroughs Centennial. It's been in Berlin, it's been in London, and uh, the curator is working on a show at the uh, Centre Pompidou that will open in 2016, which is the centennial year for Burroughs' collaborator, Brian Geisen, an amazing artist in his own right. So what I want to do is kind of welcome you to the space, and then in a moment I'm going to introduce one of our honored guests, which is Ann Waldman, who's visiting us from the Naropa Institute in Colorado. She's one of the co-founders of the writing program there, the Jack Kerouac School for Disembodied Poetics. She co-founded it with someone you may have heard of. His name is Allen Ginsberg in the 70s, right? Long ago in the 70s. And Anne and Ambrose Vi, their collaborator, Ambrose, say hi there in the back, did a really amazing performance in the chapel today for voice and piano that was uh, moving and um, intelligent and exciting and really energizing in the best possible way. So we're just thrilled. And Anne's going to say a few words, and then I'm going to turn it over to Yuri Zuhanchik, who has been generously working in this room the entire league, along with Becky Goldberg, who deserves great thanks for this, and the entire staff of the galleries to set up the show. And he's going to give you some tips for looking at the art and contextualizing it. So without further ado, I hope you will join me in welcoming Anne Walker. exactly a class, but I wanted to say a couple of things just about the importance of William Burroughs to my mind, and especially now, because we live in some strange, dark times, and I find that so many of his um, prophetic ideas and um, words of his various com you know, compositions, which were very radical and very uh, continue to be important. I don't even think the, the world has caught up to them yet, the, the level of complexity. But he had uh, a, a real obsession with, you know, control and the way our uh, government was going. He certainly looked into, meditated on addiction, uh, and he looked at the, you know, all the the interstices of, of how things actually work. So I just wanted to say a couple of, you know, notes about that, and also this term I'd like to use is a set of potentials. This is how to think about William Burroughs as a set of potentials. Um, and the Burroughs effect, which I call it, defies categories. The basic disruption of reality is what he posits, certainly in his writing. And I think, you know, these are these are so vivid, these images here, and I think they relate and resonate with so many of his ideas and, and his uh, sense perceptions in the writing. And they have a, a similar quality at times, uh, complicated, the same kind of complexity, they're beautiful, and yet they're also sometimes violent and strange and alternative, but also very witty. And uh, I think of him as a kind of, um, you know, satirist, of course, in many ways. And those of you who have read it might share that. But, you know, we have many disturbing images in our own worlds, in our own realities, with all this, um, you know, insane stuff going on around the world, from Abu Ghraib to Guantanamo. We see terrorists. We see people in lockdown, we see people uh, being subjected to you know, all kinds of horrific things. Uh, we see the glamorization of this kind of dark war in, of, in, in, in movies such as Zero Dark Thirty and Argo, the glamorization of you know, Navy SEALs and the Lone Survivor. There are many cults of, of you know, this kind of violence. We have 
extraordinary renditions. We have other, you know, waterboarding, eviscerations, relevations of the murky worlds of the ongoing, um, you know, these ongoing subculture regimes. We have, um, you know, conspiracy theories. We have uh, a subculture, but also this hierarchical power structures embedded with money and international governmental huge corruption zones that are deeply Barosian in that he has already imagined them. I feel like well, sometimes I'm living in this time in 2014 in some world that was William Burroughs' imagination, which is actually very helpful <laughs> sometimes. And, um, and then this biting wit and, and sensibility. So with great linguistic, visual, and psychological power, his shifting and morphing the characters in his in his fictions, the characters in these artworks, uh, breathe and grind on in these kind of wild machinations to revivify our attention to our own realities, like terrifying tantric deities whose purpose is to wake us up and to scare us into a more enlightened or heightened consciousness. And we have uh, the image of his interzone, which is a kind of marketplace where all realities meet in consociational time. So again, perpetually inside these zones ourselves. Um, I mean, I just had to travel from Toronto and being at the, uh, when you come into US space, there's a whole new uh, border that you cross there. Maybe some of you have done that, which just seems a little more Barosian than it was even a year ago, and so on. So. Um, it's very wonderful to see some of the, I think they're the lemurs are here somewhere in that piece. William loved lemurs, an endangered, um, very unusual species. You see, the, this is one of my favorites, the escape ghost, and I was just going to read a couple of lines from a piece, a poem that was inspired by that. And just to say, um, you know, in conclusion, something about when you focus your gaze on his work, on his writing, and I recommend, uh, if you are enjoying the show or are curious, to go to, go to the work and to think about this kind of um, generative imagination and this in this kind of post-postmodern dystopia that we sometimes find ourselves in. To meditate on his landscapes, his inner zones, his charnel grounds. The charnel ground is traditionally the place where uh, everything meets, life and death meet. And this is also an anthropological gaze into what constitutes and reconstitutes our complicated realities. Some of you must know the term Anthropocene. Does that come up in any ways as the, the new term for the time that we are living in? We have Ecocene, Holocene, etc. And this is uh, in terms of our geology and so on. This is a time in which nothing is not affected or created or mitigated or mediated by the hand of man. Like man's hand is everywhere. And so it's very uh, troubling to come to that. And William was very involved with his cats. He adored his, his dear pussy cats. He took on the lemurs. He could you know, spend an evening in conversation around uh, lemur life. Um, and he could, uh, you know, there was a tenderness, I think, in him as, as he was sort of seeing the, this shift in our civilization and in our values. And uh, that's what continually moves me. That's why his, his work still resonates for me. So, I, you know, I like to think of him as this sort of um, wake-up call to some extent or a reminder or a um, uh, kind of... Um, seer, you know, a prophet, a seer, 
someone who lived a, a, you know, in dark times himself, had a complicated uh, life, also living at a different time than many of us are in, and also with an amazing company, had an incredible company of friends, including Ginsburg and, and uh, Gregory Corso and Jack Kerouac and so on. So, you know, th th it's very precious, I think, in our cultural, as part of our cultural inheritance to uh, think about the, you know, group of best minds, so-called, who really uh, thought about things and considered them and then reflected them in their art. And I always say that it's, it's important to go to the poetry, to the art, to know where we are, to understand our history, to know where we've been. So I think this is very helpful in that way. And I haven't seen half of this uh, show myself yet. I'm really eager to do that. But I did see him create some of his pieces and uh, loved his, the physicality in, in the work as well. So you really feel, have a, a, a sense of his palpability in, in these works. And there's, they're all very different too. You might, I mean, not, they're all by the same person, but they have a different uh, quality. Each one carries a kind of uh, mana or power or, or energy, which I find, you know, just walking into this room is a real charge. So this one, which is the escape of, these were a couple of lines as I was investigating the Buddhist hungry ghost realm which is the realm of the, um, you know, where you never get enough. And it's a realm of addiction. You know, the more you get, the more you want. And here the, the ghost has escaped. Hungry ghost, a morphology all by itself between our realms. Hungry ghost that dwells in consciousness, torments our desire. Sexy ghost, a performer, a demon, a gadfly, to never have enough, be enough, get enough. Dancing on coals, broke through, through, the hungry ghost. In a state of mind unsatisfied, unsettled over what he thinks, she thinks, what they thinks, what the I thinks. Hieroglyphs for the hungry ghost. Unsatisfied, jancing on nails, jostled by waves, turbulent in the shadow realm between wake and sleep. Hungry ghost, sleeping with the hungry ghost who writes your book. Never have enough, get enough, get enough. The fix is in, the fix is in, the fix is in for the hungry escape ghost. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, and I should say that Naropa has a really wonderful summer writing program, and I have some information about it in the Center for Chicago Programs. I'd be happy to share with you if you're interested. Now I want to turn it over to the man who put all of this together, uh, the estate curator Yuri Zupanchik. And aside from what he's going to tell you about Burroughs' work, in the display cases on the other side of the atrium, you will find some of Yuri's own excellent art that he was generally put up for us. So without further ado, Yuri. Yeah, it's so nice to see you all here, and so nice to actually have this happen. So, got Gotta go give some real props to Davis here for, you know, sensing, you know, Chicago was an important place for Burroughs, and this is the year of Burroughs' 100th birthday, the centenary, so we're doing these events all over the world, and, you know, it's really great that we could do something here. And before we dive into the art, I just wanted to say a few things about what this art really does. I mean, what, what its purpose was for Burroughs, what he intended people to do with it after it was created. And really, I mean, he used these paintings as just kind of pools of possibilities. You know, he 
often said he didn't know what he created until after he created it. And he would say that he was seeing with his hands when he painted and these kind of things. And that's easy to just write off as nonsense. But he was really on to something. And, you know, as you can look a little deeper into these works, for instance, this one here, which is just a, a whole sea of different textures and, and the way he created these, another reason we decided to bring all these other objects here, because these are some of his art supplies. And, you know, he was a real big proponent of abandoning the brush or traditional styles, etc., and making shapes, making textures, creating imagery that had never been created before. I mean, it's ongoing with Rose. He was never happy to repeat himself or anyone else without some serious intervention in the direction of creation of the new. And so even though these paintings are long done, and Burroughs is kind of long gone, there's still plenty to be created out of these paintings. These are really just kind of raw material for dreams, if you will. And really the best way to enjoy them is to let your mind wander and look at them in different ways. Something I, I enjoy is finding reflections, like sometimes you can you know they're in this particularly good example. You can you know, look into this picture and then see a reflection of something else over there and watch them overlap and really just, just have an experience with this work. It's not like a frozen moment in time. The, you know, Bros was not at all a fan of the cow in the field type of painting, as he put it. And he wanted paintings to be alive. He said, I want to create a beast, a very dangerous beast. And he said that all true artists are attempting the impossible, which is to create life, something that has a life of its own. And so in order for this art to have a life, it takes all of you and all people of the future to find things in it, bring them to life. And, you know, it's, he was well, he covered a lot of territory with the word and saying, you know, that the word is a virus. And these, once you create a, a a signpost for something, once you label something, then that takes on a life of its own. And an image is the same thing. You also frequently say the image is a virus. And so we're really all here tonight to look at Burroughs' art and find our own images and create our own little viruses. And so have some fun with that. And, um, you know. See, there's, oh, here's a, there's a couple of key things that you can have some fun with, too. Like, this stencil right here appears a bunch of times in this painting. It's somewhat hidden, but that's a fun thing to do. It's, it's just while you're in the space and having some time with this stuff. Is, is find the little bits of overlapping textures and things and see what you think might have created them, if you like to look at things that way. And other than that, I don't want to tell you too much or be too didactic. I just want to thank you all for being here and hope you uh, enjoy this stuff. Thank you. I'll say finally, before you look around, this is the last thing. If you have questions about individual pieces, nobody knows more about this than Yuri. If you have questions for Anne about her many years of experience with this group of writers and artists and thinkers, she's here for you right now. And if you want to be bored to tears about other aspects of Bloomberg, you can come speak with me. <laughs> Thank you all for coming, and make sure you bring your friends from the college here before November 9th when the exhibit ends. Thank you, and please enjoy.